0: This podcast is brought to you by OnTrack Studio. Welcome to Mum Life Untangled. I'm your host, Emma Bunting. I help new mums return to exercise to rebuild strength from the inside out by providing personal, group, and virtual training with a community of like-minded mums. My business is called Motivate Mums, and my mission is to educate, support, and encourage mums to return to exercise safely after having a baby. In this podcast, I'm on a journey to untangle some of the complicated things that we experience as mums. My aim is to create clarity and understanding, leave you feeling inspired. If you'd like to join me virtually... You can join me in my upscale membership, which offers nine live sessions a week with three Mumsafe trainers, myself and two others. We provide an online membership with live sessions and if you can't make the live session, you can jump on the recording. Everything is delivered through a Facebook group and into an app. So it's like a PT in your pocket. If you want to find out more, head to my website, www.motivetmums.com. Click on the Upskill membership, fill out your form, and I'll provide you with a seven-day free trial. Do it, because I promise you'll love it. Thank you, Jamie, for joining me today to um, have a bit of a chat about... We're going to go into um, pelvic pain and how it affects women in you know everyday life and through exercise. But first, I'll give a bit of an introduction um, of Jamie. With over 15 years' experience in the field of women's and pelvic health physiotherapy. You've been fortunate enough to work alongside the largest maternity hospital in Australia, um, liaise alongside gynecologists, urogynecologists, colorectal surgeons, can speak today, and um, pain doctors and treat countless patients across the lifespan from teenagers to the elderly. Wow. I sure have.
1: It's been a journey. I tell
0: Wow. You. Even just like just reading that. It's just, you know, your experience is amazing. And I love your tagline on your website, helping you down under. I think that's brilliant. Love it, love it. Um, and you bring your personality, when, we, when we've when we chatted, you bring your personality, sense of humour, knowledge and experience, and most important, importantly, your heart in everything that you do. Um, and you can just tell, as, you know, as soon as we've chatted on the phone and I kind of stalked you on Facebook and then <laughs> decided to like call you and have a chat and I think just from that initial phone call you were just so welcoming to me and happy to help and support everything that I was doing and ever since then you've been really supportive of you know helping me and and even coming on this podcast today so thank you I appreciate oh, your you're time. more than welcome Emma
1: Well, more than welcome I mean it's we should end this health profession that we Focus in on women and pelvic health. We should all be helping each other. So um, I'm really excited that the Sunshine Coast is getting more people like yourself up here. Yeah. And yeah, we're able to help more people. It's, great. it's
0: great. Well, I've got a really important question to start with. Really important before we get stuck into it. What's your favourite cocktail and who would you share oh. it with? Oh, oh
1: who <laughs> would I share? Well, we've kind of already mentioned a little bit of our obsession with Spice Girls today. So... Any, any one of five of them would be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. I'd be stoked. Um, favorite cocktail. Look, it's a, it's a bit of a balancing act. If I'm a bit tired, it's an espresso martini um, or if I want to go for longer um, or it's a lychee martini. So I'm a martini girl, it would appear. I
0: think we're going to get on well. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> That's
0: it. Absolutely. For sure. All right. Well, tell me a little bit about you outside of physiotherapy, and then we'll get into a little bit more of the business stuff.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, as I mentioned before, I'm living on the Sunshine Coast now. It's just taken me uh, 32 years to get back here. I was born up here actually. So I, this the beach girl in me got back here eventually. I think I've actually just to myself for about five years, but that's okay. I can go younger. That's cool. Um, I have a massive passion with regard to animals. So um, my fur babies are my life. I only have three tattoos and they're all of my dogs, so there you go. And, yeah, really basically trying to you know, balance the work that I do with physio but also just trying to um, em- embody that passion of animal welfare and, you know, beach life and all those different things and travel. Thank God COVID is coming <laughs> to an end because I can't wait to get back overseas. Yeah. Um, I'm going to Uluru next week, so I'm stoked about that. Oh, nice. Um which will be great can't believe I've never been that's terrible but next year planning to get back over to to the mother country that you're from because I absolutely love London I can't wait to get back
0: yeah so you're a bit of a traveler Mm. nice
1: I love it yeah Yeah. absolutely
0: that's a little bit of you you know a little bit of you on the personal level so what interests you in in pelvic health why did you go down that route
1: so when we do our four-year degree, we have different um, electives we can pick and one of the electives i picked was women's health and I was lucky enough to get a placement at the Mata Mothers Hospital um, under the guidance of the guru that is Linda Hickey um, and a few years later, she had a job going and remembered me as a student, so she hired me and um, the rest is history really. Yeah. Um, and Linda only just finished up her very long, prosperous career last year, so I wouldn't be where I am today without her. She's wonderful. Um, so shout out to her. Um, and basically the idea of just being in a field of physiotherapy that's very passionate, um, caring, um, all-encompassing in different aspects, it's not just musculoskeletal but very much medical-based, um, I find that fascinating. So, um, And I got sick of working with sports people in about five minutes. So basically <laughs> that's how I fell into pelvic health and I haven't back since.
0: And you know, I was spent like there's three physios joined my um, group class recently and I name dropped you yesterday and they're like, Oh yeah, yeah like so you've got a really good name for yourself here on the sunny course, which is absolutely awesome. I was like, Yeah, I'm doing a podcast with Jamie <laughs> And they're like <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's just um and you know, clients that I know that they've they've come to you, just the um your kindness and understanding and listening all comes through even in that first session with you. So I think you can see that, you know, you love your job, enjoy what you do. And then you kind of went into sidetrack a little bit. You went into mentoring physios as well. Yeah. So outside of the the um, your practice, you kind of went into mentoring of the physios. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So from the mentoring point of view, that was something that I guess I started that at the Mater as well. I had undergraduate students that came through and I was their clinical educators um, on their placement. So I've kind of done a a a whole full circle there being under Lindy and then having my own students um, at the hospital which was interesting Um, and then yeah flowing on to that when I moved up to the Sunshine Coast I just saw particularly with COVID there was a big market gap with you know your physios working a bit more rurally or those who didn't have the access to the mentorship that i did when i was coming through and their ability to clinically reason and patient um history take and all those sort of things so i just started my own uh business and a online supervision type of um aspect mm. of helping those coming up through the ranks so that there's just more people to, around to help more women um it was very self-limiting in covid there not being any courses available of mm. course um so yeah it left a lot of physio sort of midway through their training and, and unable to conti- continue or progress. So that's where I tended to um, want to pick up the pieces, I suppose, a little bit in that aspect.
0: And I think, you know, it's created so much more, I don't like to say COVID's created anything, but I think it's just having that awareness of that we can reach more online now, you know, things that we couldn't do before, we could, oh, we can switch to the online. It gives more people opportunity who haven't got access like you said. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I who would have ever thought that a physio could work from home, you know, via Zoom, that's yeah. crazy. But there is telehealth, as we know, but I mean, that mentoring, I never thought it was an, a, a possibility. So yeah, COVID has opened up some doors, closed mm. but others, but yeah. opened up some. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, for myself as well. So today, I mean, there's lots of things we could talk about, but we're going to drill down into pelvic pain and how it affects women and mums um, in everyday life, in exercise. So can we... Touch on what is pelvic pain and how is how is that created? We'll start with that. Yeah,
1: of course. So pelvic pain is such a spectrum of disorders. It can be as early on in life as things to do with um, onset of period pain for teenagers or preteens as well, and how that can be affecting um, their overall daily life. Um, and then venturing into your childbearing years, where you can get in. Multitude of different things that can be causing pain with sex, or pain with, you know, pelvic girdle pain itself, um, different type of pregnancy-related concerns, and then venturing on from there um, into the older years when we're going through perimenopause and menopause, and leading to things like atrophic vaginitis, which basically means that we've got decreased in estrogen, um, and we can have um, pain disorders of the vagina as a result. Now that's a very small spectrum of, of. concerns or conditions that can present as pelvic pain. But the overall encompassing term is to try to um, you know, at least have some more awareness for the fact that it exists. Um, but it's our jobs as physios, as health professionals, as specialists in different areas to identify not only a causative factor, but compounding factors and by how much different things can impact on that pelvic pain itself in the normal day to day.
0: Yeah. So if I've got a in your a new mom coming into class um what is kind of the symptoms that she could experience and then we could relate it back to pelvic pain i mean it's probably a big list but um mm. just to help listeners out there understand because they might be suffering with this and you know not even know it's a thing or just kind of ignore it um Yeah
1: absolutely so sorry about that squeaking by the way my dog's playing in the background so that will be <laughs> throughout the They're just quiet now. Um, So, um, symptoms with regard to um, postnatally? Yes. Yes, sure. Um, So, from a point of view of um, those breastfeeding timeframes, we again have an estrogen deficiency that can cause dryness of the vagina, which can lead to issues with regard to dermatological presentations or irritations more easily, even just wearing... you know, pads post-birth to help with the the bleeding aspect can lead to irritations vaginally, vulvally, all that sort of thing. So that's one aspect to, to keep in mind, that there's that, that skin or dermatological presentation that can be different and causative pain, because anything from a vaginal point of view, skin-wise, can then be irritating or at least causing a, a pain response to the underlying muscles as well. So um, it might be that at the six-week mark or at the the 12-week mark or whenever time it might be that women want to or are being sexually active, they might only notice that pain at that particular time. Clearly I've even, you know, should have started with the idea of post-vaginal birth, that you can have um, the pain continuance on from um, any scarring from tears um, or instruments used or any type of pelvic floor trauma that can then present itself later on again in that um, setting of either trialing intercourse or even trialing the use of tampons again that may Mm. be painful and that's what we call vaginismus um, from a point of view of there being a automatic reaction to the thought of penetration where your muscles do clench as a result and that can be subconscious um so yeah so those sort of ideas of either the thought of penetration and thinking it might be painful the act the act physically of it being painful when their periods return they could be Coming back at different rates and and as I should say, um, as well to be a, a um, source of pain, and even those who um, who suffer with endometriosis and things of that nature, mm. they can fluctuate in how they would present postnatally as well. And that's only talking about vaginal symptoms. Then you've got your bladder pain syndromes as well that can be as a um, source of pelvic pain, um, as well as um, things like anal fissures and hemorrhoids and pain from an anal point of view as well. So there's many different again syndromes but what I want people to sort of take away is that any type of pain in the pelvis isn't normal be it penetrative be it bladder pain be it pain having poo none of it's normal and it shouldn't be ignored
0: yeah that's a good point I think Mm. we're really good at ignoring ignoring things and think it's normal you know we've had a baby so um you know it's kind of normal and I think the painful sex thing I think well speaking to mum's I know people suffer with it, but then don't actually want to go and see anybody about it or do think it's actually normal after having a baby. So, yeah, any pain at all, come and see a women's health physio. I think that's...
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even going first to see your GP, it might be that you have a UTI that can be a source of your pain or a vaginal infection as a result of poor healing or whatever it might be, Mm. poor hygiene and not even on purpose. As I mentioned before, use of pads and increased moistures in environments especially if you're then trying to exercise, right? So on top of that, you might be at more risk of having things like thrush and vaginal infections. So as I've sort of gone across a continuum of all these different things that can cause pelvic pain, it's just, again, anything different, don't ignore it, basically.
0: And that, that we talk postnatally then, but through pregnancy as well, same kind of things right. apply. Yeah. Yep. And at what stage can can we come and see a um, pelvic health or women's health physio through pregnancy?
1: Anytime, really, yeah. from a point of view of what I see very commonly with regard to antenatal is that pelvic girdle pain. Um, and that pelvic girdle pain, we tend to you know, um, think about the sacral pain or the SIJ pain, sacral joint, or the pubic symphysis pain at the front of the pelvis there um, at the pubic bone. But we don't see how that could either link into maybe vulval pain or vaginal pain itself or deep abdominal pain. All of these different areas talk to each other um, and they can be compounding. As you know, when we're pregnant, everything stretches a bit more, everything has an ability to have more mobility. But if there's an underlying what we call overactive pelvic floor syndrome where your muscles are too tight and not relaxing, for whatever the cause may be, that doesn't necessarily just improve being pregnant. It mm. can actually make it sometimes a little bit worse because it's reacting to that extra movement in the pelvis again. So it can be this continuous loop.
0: Yeah. And through an appointment, um, Say for example, with yourself, you would go through that if it was hypertonic. You try and relax in the pelvic floor, trying to. And would you ever suggest not to exercise at all? If you not got the same
1: from pelvic pain, no,
0: absolutely not. So I guess
1: from a point of view of that, I mean, clearly, if there's been some type of medical reason in um, the idea that they're you know on bed rest or whatnot, clearly in their pregnancy, but there's always an ability to move um well within pain parameters that are safe and not dangerous so sometimes pain education comes down to patients understanding good versus bad pain and not sometimes always <laughs> it comes down to that and also the idea of using your language and how important it is in how you express the word the wording around pain making people understand that there's a, the difference between discomfort and the danger response that our body might go straight to, especially in that persistent pain realm of people. So exercise and movement is always going to improve pain, maybe not initially, but on the long term, as long as there's that rest and recover state too, which is obviously sometimes the problematic cause of pain to start with, under resting and overtraining.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think just just reassuring that, you know, new ones, pregnant women can help themselves by going to see a health professional is the main thing because I think when especially postnatally when mums are tired stressed not getting enough um, sleep and rest I think they can push things to the side and don't put themselves first so I think just reassuring them that they can go and see a health professional to to help this, this issue and they don't have to live with the pain. Absolutely. And
1: from a point of view of that too, like as we know, motion movement increases your endorphins and your stress hormones help to be regulated, which has an immune response as well and helps with your immunity, helps you to be more well, helps with your sleep. Um, all those sort of things, and they all play into a massive role of how pain is perceived as well as um, experienced. So we want to be making sure that exercise is not just, you know, something that people look to as an outlet mentally, which is extremely important, but also from a point of view of physical and how they all work together to get the best overall body environment in response to pain but in response to basically anything from a point of view of wellness.
0: Yeah, Mm. yeah, good point. Yeah, it is. What would women expect if they were to come to have an appointment with yourself? Because I've heard too many times now, um, you know, women will make an appointment with a physio and they go, oh, I didn't expect expect it. So I think just a bit of education out there to expect, what to expect from a first appointment with a pelvic health physio. Yeah, look, it's very common
1: that women might not be prepared to um, know that they will have a vaginal assessment. Now, that's postnatally very important to do, preferably on their first appointment. But sometimes I have patients come too early postnatally and they might still have some low and bleeding and, and not healed properly for that to be appropriate. So, you know, the idea that it is uh, recommended to have a vaginal assessment to check from a point of view of pelvic floor ability, strength. Any presence of prolapse, any type of um, you know delayed healing, that sort of idea, endurance and whatnot, and the ability to be very body aware of how they're activating the pelvic floor. It really is second to none what we need to do to get that best awareness. However, there are always options in the idea that we can retrain by just doing a visual perineal inspection. You can use ultrasound as well, um, to real time ultrasound to. To image bladder and and what not to get an idea of the pelvic floor. Um, so, a lot of the time, especially those women's with pelvic, those women with pelvic pain, um, the idea of doing a vaginal assessment is terrifying. Most of the time with those um, ladies, you can gauge a, re- a reaction from them. The option to always think about the pelvis, the pelvic girdle, the abdominal wall, and the pelvic floor, and your breathing. All four of those things are connected, and you can't do one without the other. So you can always do an outside-in approach. So the idea of what's happening at the pelvic girdle, is that affecting those deeper muscles in the pelvis that are causing pelvic pain too? So I always work from the outside in with the patient, clearly always checking their abdominal wall as well, see if there's any of that rectus diastasis or um, overactive pain um, Uh, obliques etc and that can make wonders for pelvic pain versus just going always straight to a vaginal assessment and i I just don't tend to i just found over time that it's the thing you would go to on maybe a second third appointment and prep them on that first appointment that that might be what is needed in the future Mm. but it's never ever ever expected they have to so i don't want women to think they have to but it's just something it's a complimentary thing that can give us some really good information
0: yeah so you can do it the other ways but you, you get more of an accurate result from an internal. But, yeah, you That's don't have right. to do it on your first appointment. You can prepare them maybe the second okay. or third. Then they know kind of what to expect.
1: Exactly. That's right. Yeah. So um, as long as they sort of are comfortable, then they're going to come back, right, and they're going to be compliant to their treatment, just like yourselves with your fitness um, and giving a home program. Like, yeah. It's exactly the same. Yeah. You've got to build rapport. You've got to be realistic, You've got to, what's the word, expectations um, need to be met but they also need to be uh, realistic mm. um, and, and you know, managed in a way that people still feel like they're getting their goals met um, but sometimes they need to be tweaked a little bit in how they might get to those goals and a realistic expectation of how long that might take.
0: Yeah, because you must see it very often where you give them a few exercises to do at home and the next appointment comes around, they go, I just haven't got round to it. Yeah, and they're the patients that
1: probably won't come back and see me for about six months and because they're, they're you know, a little bit embarrassed that they haven't done the exercises. So they'll come back six months later when life's a little bit less hectic yeah. and then they'll, um, you know, be more engaged and be able to, to afford the time and that's fair enough, too.
0: Yeah, but you're like, mm. it doesn't matter if you don't do the exercises at the start, like it's good that they've made that first point of call and coming to see you. And making that first well, step. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: And there's just so much so much you can do that's not just about pelvic floor. It can be just it's habitual difference, like getting into a habit of something as simple as stop wearing tight jeans, that's causing your pelvic pain, mm. you know, or stop crossing your legs because it's not helping with your pelvic pain. And all those habitual changes, if we don't get on top of them, doing your pelvic floor in any way is not going to make any difference because it's going to continue to be overactive Yeah, because um, everything else they do in their day.
0: And I was reading online, I was doing a bit of research. (laughs) Um, One in five women do suffer with some sort of pelvic pain. And I was quite, you know, I was quite surprised about that. But I think I need to talk about it a bit more in my classes um, and make it that thing that we we just talk about and it's an open conversation so people don't suffer in silence because I think a lot of the time in a group environment in my in my situation, a group environment when mums are new, new new to the class and also new as a mum. They mm-hmm. don't want to, you know, speak out and say this oh, is hurt and that's hurt and push through. But I think just creating a safe space to have these conversations um about different things that can happen with the body is so important.
1: Absolutely. And I you know, those initiatives where people have and and you know, having that safe feeling, um, is where everyone will Obviously, feel more at ease to talk about these certain things, and we we need to make that um, you know as part of the physical environment that people are in too. So the way that we set up our clinics is very different to what you'd see in a musculoskeletal physio clinic with just a curtain drawn across the room. Mm. But the idea with pelvic pain, and I was just getting out my my latest stats on that. Actually, when you mentioned that one in five, because there, is, oh, here we go. Yeah, one in it varies from even like one. One in five, but on um, that one in five, only a third actually seek help. So that's sort of getting where you can. You're going with your comments too. Mm. But um, on top of that, one in twelve men suffer with pelvic pain too. So it's not just a, it's not just a gender specific specific concern. But like I was mentioning at the earlier parts of this podcast, there's pelvic pain is not just one thing. It's so many broad ter- um, conditions that can attribute to it that you know finding the cause of it. You might have one uh, a, a time that you go and see a health professional and they think it's one thing and it's not, so you give up. You think, oh, well, I'll just have to live with it. And that's when everything, everyone deconditions or, you know, go on a poor nutrition route and that only makes the problem worse. So it's really important that anyone with pelvic pain has a very multidisciplinary approach, that they have a good doctor, you know, yes, pelvic health physio, but exercise input to help with that normalisation of movement and conditioning dietetics, that sort of thing, just making sure that the whole body inside out is, is working, you know, optimally. And there's never going to be a case where one health professional is going to be all that someone needs, Never.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I read, I think we touched on this before, that uh, such a large proportion of these women, uh, of the one in five, experience, you know, painful sex after childbirth. And I think we did touch on that earlier. And it's another mm-hmm. thing that people suffer with. Talking yeah. to my best friends and, you know, friends – that are in the UK and, and a lot of friends in the UK haven't got access to, um, you know, especially in my town, pelvic health, physio. So they just kind of think it's normal after childbirth. Yeah. Which is... It's sad, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of like people
1: think it's normal to have incontinence. Mm. But I, I like to change that narrative and be like, well, it's common, but it's never normal. Yeah. So that's the idea. And and even, unfortunately, we have that stigma in society that young women being first sexually, um, sexually active, it's going to hurt the first time. Well, no, it doesn't have to. Like it's yeah. actually wrong. Yeah. That, that theory has actually been so wrong and so mentally instilled in women mm. that it almost is precipitated even if there isn't a physical cause, but it causes a physical cause. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really important. What's really good about that is that they're actually rolling out a program now that they bring out in schools called PPEP, which is all about periods pain and endometriosis in high schools. Oh, that's so, um, yeah, it's wonderful. It's done, done by the Pelvic Pain Foundation and they've just um, got a different MDT approach of different health professionals and they are available all across Australia and you just need to, yeah, contact them to have them um, visit different schools. So my point there is if we start early mm. and get on top of the idea of things that cause pelvic pain back when, even women normalising painful periods, again, it's not normal. Yeah. See, Coco agrees. She's squeaking in the background there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so if we, as long as we can change the narrative and what is considered normal versus common, then I'm pretty happy with how things are going.
0: So I think any sort of pain, you know, through, you know, go and see someone about it. I think that's top and bottom. Don't suffer in with pain. Don't suffer in silence.
1: Absolutely. And I like that you said top and bottom. So, yeah, so top and bottom, basically, no pain.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Personally. Okay. laughs>
1: Come and see one of us at top or bottom page.
0: (laughs) So, you've had a lot of um, experience in your life, through the business life, in the business world. Who were three most influential people in your career?
1: Yeah. So, I guess, um, you know, from a point of view, I kind of mentioned her earlier. Linda Hickey was my very first um, introduction to women's health in general. Um, at the Mother Mother's Brisbane Hospital, so I learned a lot from her, even just from a point of view of fundamental things. Like I started my first ever women's pregnancy class at the at the at the Mother Mother's Hospital, so even learning how to do bad '90s movements to music. <laughs> you know, with your fingers classes yeah. um, I can't listen to like Rihanna's Ponder Replay" without trying to redo them. Right, <laughs> so um, it, it's that's starting from there, but you know, from a point of view of ongoing succession and and training in different ways, I think when I moved on to then working in the endometriosis clinic, I found the multidisciplinary team of gynaecology and psychology and just that different input and how important to not just individualise a patient to your profession and knowing more about patients and knowing more about what's available. So, um, yeah, the Queensland Pelvic Pain Clinic that I worked at at the MARTA which included um, Dr. Wynne Williams, who is a gynecologist who's now moved back to, the, to New Zealand, sadly. Dr. Jane Berryman is a pain specialist in Brisbane, and she is phenomenal. She's just, a one, an extremely normal human. You wouldn't expect her to be such a high end of her you know, specialty, um, but she's just so caring and kind. And I think that that introduction into pelvic pain made my love of pelvic pain, I suppose, and mm. wanting to help those in pelvic pain, such a beautiful experience um, and, yeah, just really made that one to be a quite a niche area that I worked within. Um, and, again, then moving on into the world of the Pelvic Mesh Clinic that I then worked into, again, that was a different multidisciplinary team, but then that's brought me into more of the urogynaecology and urology part. So it's it's really just finding niches in different areas that allow you to be so holistic in your approach of someone's pelvic health concern and, very soon I'll be working as well with a colorectal surgeon in Brisbane, Dr. Brad Morris. And apart from the fact he's hilarious on Instagram and doesn't think he's in real life, um, (laughs) he's an amazing surgeon. So I'm looking forward to working with him and just seeing how we'll work together to improve that access for physio in the the bottom world as it's such. Yeah, it'll be cool. I've seen that
0: on Instagram. I was checking it out. I was like, yeah, brilliant. Well done.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun.
0: Yeah. And um, why is it so important to you? I think you did touch on it earlier but why is it so important to you to educate women about pelvic pain and why do you not think it's talked about too much it might be talked about a lot in your industry in your world but outside of that why is it not talked about enough
1: well I think unfortunately when anyone thinks of number one women's health physio and pelvic physio wasn't even thought of previously as anything and now that it is it's all about getting stronger pelvic floors and you know not having incontinence and focus there, whereas it's only been very recently that people are even aware of the ability to overuse your pelvic floor and to end up with the pelvic pain syndrome as a result. Mm. Um, So I think it's not talked about enough because, one, it's invisible. You don't see pelvic pain. Mm. You can't see it. It's like any chronic pain or persistent pain syndrome. Unfortunately, you know, it is improving, but there is that element of, well, what's wrong with you now? what's happening now why can't you do this why can't you do that oh you have got this now too like it's a lot of compounding factors and that's why i find it so fascinating to get to the bottom of things because <laughs> I know, can't can't um, <laughs> <laughs> um the uh, you finding a root cause of things which might be a, multiple different root causes but you know there need not one treatment fits everybody and so as i've mentioned before someone might seek help hit a wall and then think oh okay well Either I'm told this is normal, which unfortunately even I've had patients today whose doctors say, Oh yeah, that's okay if you're getting pain with sex now, you're postmenopausal. That's okay. Mm. Well that that prolapse is normal. Again, normal is not what common. It's the same, it's different. Yeah. So yeah. It's not well understood. It's getting better better in its understanding, but pelvic pain, let alone persistent pain in general, was just such a foreign thing that if you can't see it, it's not real. That's what people thought everything was in their head, they thought they were crazy, et cetera, et cetera, and and there wasn't the empathy around pelvic pain or persistent pain in general that is starting to evolve, which is very exciting. Like I said, the Pelvic Pain Foundation has made huge changes in how we perceive things, but pelvic pain being such a broad spectrum of things, um, we just need to understand them better to get the best outcomes for people and to have it more, you know, broadcast and out there. Social media helps with that.
0: Yeah. This is mm. gonna help hopefully. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, hopefully. Right. At least I'll um, know what cocktails I drink and I'll have like <laughs> <Something. laughs> Am I bright but you want to bring it in the clinic? <laughs> <Okay>. oh, don't <laughs> um and I think like for me the aim of this is just to create awareness and conf- like give the mums or the women the confidence to to seek help. I think yeah. you know, I think it, a lot of listeners would then go, okay, this isn't normal. Now I'm going to go and find some help. So I think creating awareness is so important. And like if someone wants to book an appointment with you, where do we come to? What do we do?
1: Oh, that's it. Well, are you? I've now got sort of three different locations um, to be seeing me. On the Sunshine Coast, I'm at... Kiwana Sports and Spinal Physiotherapy, which is bizarre because it's at Petinia, but it's called Kuana, so don't get confused. Um, and then there's Budrum, which is starting next month, which is Women's Health on Budrum, so you can come and see me there. And then in Brisbane, it begins uh, again in November at Queensland Colorectal at Green Slopes. So if all of those different places, to find them all in one place, you just need to go to my website, which is jamiesingletonphysiotherapy.com. Jamie spelt J A I M E because it's thanks mum for that little uh, <laughs> lifelong thing that people get it wrong. But um you can find all the information there about how to book an appointment online and how to contact me if you have any questions. So um again I'm on Instagram, a lot of my things are me being looking a bit ridiculous, but hopefully that the um information gets across um that, you know, don't ignore things, get on top of them, um, and yes, make time for yourself because it's only going to help you in the long term.
0: Yeah, I think definitely head over to Jamie's um, Instagram because those, you says, you know, videos stick in people's minds. I think making yeah. something fun and creating, like we'll, they'll see when, you, when they jump over to your Instagram, but making a video out of it, it's, it stays in your mind and you remember what it's actually about. So yeah, give Jamie a follow if you need to see it. There's three different locations or head over to our website. Any
1: more to say, Jamie? No, I don't think so. Thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, that was, this is my second podcast in a week and I've never had one in my life, so I feel like <laughs> I've am I'm, I'm, I'm had it now. Uh, but, yeah, no, thanks. And um, I've had many patients come through as well that have been seeing you and they can only sing your praises. So oh, thank you for what you
0: do. Thank you for this little um, network. It's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Next time, I'll be buying you a special martini. <laughs> well, it's after, it's after five, somewhere around. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks for your time. If you are looking to return to exercise after having a baby, head to motivatemoms.com to download my checklist on returning to exercise safely and also follow me on Instagram, motivatemoms.